أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فلما أن أراد أن يبطش بالذي هو عدو لهما قال قال يا موسى أتريد أن تقتلني كما قتلت نفسا بالأمس إن تريد إلا أن تكون جبارا في الأرض وما تريد أن تكون من المصلحين صدق الله العظيم The last aspect that we discussed yesterday was the incident where Musa alayhi salatu wasalam had punched that qibti and killed him by mistake and then the next day he came back into the city fearful not knowing what was the outcome has this message reached Fir'aun or not and then he sees the same person from the Bani Israel in confrontation with another Qibti so Musa salam, when he sees this this person from the Bani Israel again calls for help so he then moves to assist him but in that process he reprimands him as well and it seems you are the troublemaker here now when he says this to that person from the Bani Israel though he was heading towards him to assist him this person thought that he is now coming to hit me so in this conclusion of his which he jumped to that now I am the target yesterday he came to assist me and he hit the Qibti but today he is coming to hit me so he immediately blurted this out that Ya Musa aturidu an taqtulani kama qatalta nafsam bil ams do you wish to kill me also as you killed the person before me yesterday and then having jumped to that conclusion he now goes further in turidu illa an takuna jabbaran fil ard you just want to be a tyrant on this earth you have no intention to be somebody who makes peace, who reconciles. Now who is he talking to? He's talking to a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. He's talking to a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. But where did he go off the mark? This is the very dangerous malady of Su'uzan. In Urdu what is termed as Badgumani. Harboring ill thoughts jumping to conclusions about people's intentions and person then makes judgments now this is exactly what he did here now this badgumani even against a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala Musa salam is coming to assist him but despite the fact that Musa salam is coming to assist him he made this prejudgment he jumped to conclusions and that jumping to conclusions now he built this entire building on this foundation of batil now first he made a conclusion that your intention is to come to kill me so then on top of that he says in takuna in turidu illa an takuna jabbaran fil ard you only want to be a tyrant now all these things came out from the seed of badgumani and this is something allah ta'ala warns us about in the quran sharif ya ayyuhal ladina amanu jtanibu kathiram min al-dhan that beware of these suspicions, these thoughts about what is somebody else's intention or just jumping to conclusions. Inna ba'da dhanni ismun. Allah Ta'ala says some of these thoughts, some of these 
things that you bring to your mind are sin. So this is something that always causes a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. It escalates small issues into big things. When a person jumps to conclusion about somebody else's intentions, his motives, there is one incident that Mawlana Rum Rahmatullah has written. These are all parables. These are parables for the lessons. So he says there was one person who had one parrot in his shop. And the parrot was very talkative. So, because of the talkative nature of the parrot, it used to talk a lot. The customers used to come, and because of enjoying the parrot's talk, more people would come. So the parrot became a source of a lot of customers coming, because all the customers would come in, the parrot would talk to them, they would enjoy this. So if they wanted to buy something, they'll come to the shop. So this person's shop was running quite fine, and the parrot was keeping everything Everybody entertained and people were coming. One night, this person forgot to lock the parrot up in his cage when he left the shop. The parrot would be roaming around. So that night he forgot to lock the parrot in the cage and he went away. The parrot now at night alone, the shop started fluttering around, jumping around. And in the process it knocked one, two jars of some expensive oil. So the next morning this person came to the shop. And when he opened the shop, he sees this whole mess and these expensive jars of oil all on the floor and broken. So he became very upset. And in that fit of rage, he took something and he hit the parrot on its head. So in any case, the parrot then went completely silent. And together with that, the effect of that blow that he gave the parrot on the head, all the feathers on the head all just fell off whether immediately, whatever, but so to say, the parrot became bald. Now, because of this shot he gave the parrot on the head, the parrot just kept quiet now. Now he's not talking anything. Now the people are coming, the customers are coming, they're trying to make this parrot say something, but he's quiet, he's not saying anything. And as a result now, people started losing interest in coming here, because they were coming because of this, they were getting entertained by this parrot. So they probably had places to go to closer. So as a result, slowly, gradually, this person's business also started taking a dip. And now he was very sad about this, but he's trying whatever he can to entice this parrot to talk, but this parrot would just not say a word. But now this is always the issue, that a person regrets the effects of anger later. The damage is done. Now he is very sad about what he did. Why did he hit the parrot? Why did he react in that manner? Why did he not first just take things easy, assess the situation properly? But all that now, after the event, well, the damage is done. In the heat of the moment, a person does the damage, and then sometimes a person will say, well, I take my words back. Is that ever possible? That a person can take his words back. Something that has come out of the tongue is gone. Yes, you can apologize, can't take the words back. What's gone is gone. One person was giving his son a lesson. So, growing up son, so he wanted to teach him a lesson. So one day he gave him one nail. He said, go, you see that wooden fence, go knock it on that wooden fence. So he went and knocked it. The next day he gave him another nail, go and knock this on the wooden fence. So he went and knocked the second one. The third day he gave him, like this he continued for about over a few weeks. So now that whole fence is filled with all these nails. 
So the next day after these few weeks had passed, he gave him one hammer. He said, now you see how this is how you take a nail out. Go and take all these nails out. So he took all the nails out. So he said, okay, fine. What happened now? So he said, well, all the nails are out. He said, very good. But does the fence look the same? He says, no, it's riddled with holes. So he said, look, this is the same story. That what you will say to people, it will make holes in the heart. You will apologize, but the hole will still be there. Person will forgive it, he'll overlook it, he'll pardon it, but it'll take a long time for that hole to then finally heal. That hole will someday close out, but it's not that because the nail was taken out, it will all just remedy itself. So this is that a person can apologize and indeed we make mistakes, others make mistakes. We should apologize and we should accept the apology also. But the lesson is to be always careful. To be always careful about what we say, how we say it. Because we can't take the words back. The words have gone, it's gone. So in any case, this person now was very, very regretful. But what the regret is going to do now, it's not going to help. So in any case, this parrot is just carrying on very silent. One day it happened that somebody walked into the shop who was bald. Now when this person walked in the shop, suddenly the parrot spoke up. After a long silence of months, out of the blue suddenly the parrot spoke up. And the thing it said was, that it seems you also dropped the oil jar. <laughs> now, it had realized that its feathers have come off its head, it's bald. It might have seen itself in the mirror in the shop also. And now the first person that he saw after so long was a bald person. So immediately he jumped to this conclusion. Now this is a parable Maurum Rahmatullah is giving in his Basnawi to teach us the same lesson. That now how foolish this parrot is, that because this parrot now became bald due to that shot it got on his head, because of dropping that jar, so he now jumped to the conclusion every bald person also did the same thing. So this sounds very funny when the person just hears it like that, but if we consider on to the, in our day-to-day -day life, how many things we say we do based on just jumping to some conclusion, some ill thought about the next person's intention, pre-judging somebody else's motive. This is the reason why this person did this. This is the reason why this person said that. Whereas often, that was just an innocent thing that the person said. He had no background, he had no idea of anything else. He just said something without any other thought in mind. But now we start placing the reasonings behind that statement the person made. That actually this person said this because of whatever, some situation, some incident that might have happened, Allah knows best when, that person doesn't have anything in his mind. But we are linking things up to places where it shouldn't be. And Allah forbid that this evil of Badgumani, this is the whisper of shaitan. Shaitan starts it off from outwardly smaller things, minor things, it then grows and escalates until it comes to the point where a person starts harboring doubts and suspicions from a dini perspective. And from people who are doing some kind of dini khidmat, a person will have some suspicions about them. And the purpose of shaitan in this is to cut a person off from those who would be able to guide him in deen. This is shaitan's object. As soon as this person now starts harboring doubts, baseless doubts, baseless suspicions, so then that link is cut. 
So now she'll start having doubt first about one person, then the next, then the third, then the fourth. In the process, everybody now is suspicious. And everybody is suspicious, so there's nobody to rely on. Nobody to take any direction from. Because everybody's direction would be suspicious. So now the person is free fall. He is the boss of himself. He may do as he wishes. And that is exactly what shaitan's objective. That a person should have no guidance. And then shaitan can take him as he wishes. So where it all starts off from, from the same badgumani. Often used to mention this example when discussing this aspect of badgumani. That one lady was washing her child. The child had messed itself, the little baby. So she had just washed the child. It was now just after Maghrib. And she washed the child and she came out. And as she came out, everybody was standing outside and looking for the moon. So whatever moon it might have been, it was a new moon, whichever month, just as an example. So now she was also came out and she also just saw suddenly the moon. So the new moon she saw. Now she's looking at the moon. First she was looking, but sometimes people have this habit when they're looking intently at something. So they put their hand close to their mouth and they're looking very intently. So she's looking very intently and then she saw the moon. And then she's saying, but this time the moon has come, but it's got a terrible odor. <laughs> the moon's got a terrible odor. Meanwhile, she hadn't washed her own hand properly. The filth was on her hand. And she had her hand close to her nose. And she's looking at the moon. And she's saying this moon has got a terrible odor this time. But the odor is in her. The odor is on her hand. And this is often the case where it is our, the reflection of our own heart. The reflection of our own heart that we see negatives everywhere else. We see something suspicious everywhere else. But what we are seeing suspicious is what is in our own heart. We haven't cleaned our own glasses. One person in some neighbors moved into his in the house next door. So he came home and his wife is saying that oh, these people moved in next door. But just look at how dirty everything is there. So he from now from his window they can see across in the neighbor's yard. So in any case he saw okay things are whatever it is, he didn't say anything. Then again the next day she commented about how dirty those children are running around. The neighbor's children are so dirty. And the third day she commented about something else so dirty. So the third day he went outside and he took whatever, the bucket and water and so on, and he went and wiped the window clean. So now she says, it seems like everything, they cleaned it out. <laughs> but they weren't dirty. The dirt was on her own window. But she's looking through her dirty window, she can see everything else dirty outside. She can see the neighbor's children dirty, can see all the neighbor's things lying around dirty. But the dirt was with her. So likewise, the dirt is often in our heart. The dirt is in our mind. The dirt is within us. Because of that dirt within us, this is the reflection we are seeing everywhere. And through these dirty glasses, we are seeing everything dirty. Through these glasses of suspicion, we are seeing doubt in everything. So this is the harm that came here, that this person jumped to this conclusion. And in the process, though this was Allah Ta'ala's divine protection on Musa Salam, but he now put Musa Salam's life at risk. Because he blurted this out that Aturidu Antaktulani Kama Katalta Nafsambil Ams that you want to kill me like you killed the person yesterday. Now nobody knew about who was responsible. That was a mistake yesterday, but nobody knew besides Musa Islam and this Kripti and this Bani Israel. And now he blurted it out. 
So this person from the Qipti, he left him alone. He had the upper hand in any case and he ran off. He ran off to take this message to Firaun that the person we were looking for, that who was responsible for the murder yesterday, we found him. And the person is none other than Musa salam, who has grown up in your palace. So any case now that this message came and now that this news came that who was responsible for the death of that Qipti yesterday, so Musa, the Firaun sat down with his parliament, so to say, to discuss what's to be done. And they decided, well, there's only one thing to do, is that we now need to arrest him, and he must suffer the consequences of his action. So now this mashwara, this decision is being made, and Musa is, his life is in danger now. But Allah Ta'ala makes now this divine arrangement again. At all these various stages, Ibn Abbas when he was narrating this lengthy incident, when he comes to this point, again he explains that this also was among the futun. وَفَتَنَّاكَ فُتُونَ Allah Ta'ala says that we tested you on numerous occasions. We placed you in the jaws of death and saved you. That you were right in the jaws of death and Allah Ta'ala brought about the situation where you got saved. Here again, apparently everything was now a lost case that he would be arrested but وَجَاءَ رَجُلٌ مِّنْ أَقْسَ الْمَدِينَةِ يَسْعَى قَالَ يَا مُوسَىٰ إِنَّ الْمَلَأَ يَأْتَمِرُونَ بِكَ لِيَقْتُلُوكَ فَخْرُجْ إِنِّي لَكَ مِنَ النَّاسِحِينَ A person who was from among the people of Fir'aun Allah Ta'ala put something in his heart some compassion and he had some soft spot for Musa salam. he came running from a far off place and he comes and gives this message to Musa salam that these people are making this mashwara, this, this meeting has taken place. So obviously this was a meeting of a very high level. He had to be somebody from the inner circle. Otherwise how he would know what's going on in that parliament of Fir'aun. So Allah Ta'ala used somebody, first Allah Ta'ala used Fir'aun to bring Musa salam up. Right in his house, right in his palace. Used Fir'aun to pay Musa Islam's mother to take care of him. And now Allah Ta'ala uses somebody from Fir'aun's inner circle to bring this message to Musa Islam that look, you rather quickly, quietly disappear because you are now being pursued. Now this is the lesson Allah Ta'ala is giving us and this is, as mentioned earlier, that this is not just a narrative, just a story, but it is these ibrads. This is every line here is an ibrad. That when a person is sincerely for Allah Ta'ala and he is working sincerely for Allah Ta'ala he is not doing something for his personal motives what he is doing is right sometimes a person is sincere but he is doing the wrong thing so that sincerity alone is not good enough if a person is sincerely doing the wrong thing that's not going to get him anything that too will still be a problem people get involved in many many things which are innovations but they are very sincere but Nabi Islam says فَإِنَّ كُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدْعًا وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ بَلَالًا وَكُلُّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النَّارٍ That any innovation, something that is not established in deen, and a person starts doing it as part of deen, he is believing it to be deen, whereas it's not deen. Then, now he's sincere, but out of ignorance, he is regarding this as deen, that is something that leads to the fire of Jahannam. So one is sincerity. Together with sincerity, what he is doing is right. It's according to the command of Allah Ta'ala. It's according to the way of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he is taking care of him, of whatever the needs are, whatever the requirements are. Then Allah Ta'ala will protect him. 
and he will never ever be unsuccessful. Now the issue is that the word success, our mind jumps to the meaning of success which the world has understood from a worldly perspective. Whereas success, what we are, when we talk of success, it is a very loose translation of the word falah. And falah, which the Quran Shari speaks about, is not something that is from the worldly perspective. Falah is what Allah Ta'ala regards as success. Those sahaba who became shuhada, were they not successful? Allah Ta'ala speaks about it, im ihdal husnayain. That when they went out in the battlefield, we have one of two things that we will gain. And both sides is victory for us. Either we will gain shahadat, that is our success. And if we come back alive, we'll come back with some booty, that is success also. So a mu'min's success is not just that he gets some material. Sometimes that material may not necessarily be success. A mu'min's success is that he has earned the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. وَرِضْوَانٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرٌ That the ultimate and the greatest thing is the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. So if he secured the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, outwardly if he seems like he was vanquished, outwardly if it seems he was defeated, but he secured still the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala, he is successful. And if he apparently was victorious, but he incurred the displeasure of Allah Ta'ala, then he is not successful. Then no matter what he gained, he is not successful. So here also, if a person has done what he is supposed to do, then he will be successful. Musa salam was a Nabi of Allah Ta'ala. He was fulfilling what his, the command of Allah Ta'ala was. So despite the challenges, Allah Ta'ala made him successful at every level. To the point that Allah Ta'ala willed, then in all these kind of worldly challenges also. In the jaws of death, Allah Ta'ala saved him and protected him. So this person came from the inner circle of Fir'aun. And he gave this message to Musa salam that these people are planning to harm you, they are planning to kill you, you should disappear quietly. Musa salam immediately took another road, which was not the common road, because these people, the police of Fir'aun were already posted on the main roads. He quietly went away onto the coastal road, and he left, and he moved on. Then he goes on to Madian. Inshallah, we'll continue from there. Allah Ta'ala give us perfect. Subhanallah, alhamdulillah, subhanallah.